Welcome to the Sunday Special on the Scope of Practice podcast, where we take a break from the hustle and grind of business and talk to real healthcare professionals about how their faith in God shapes their clinical practice. Now, here's your host, Dr. Brent Lacey. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Scope of Practice podcast. Happy Easter. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. I'm excited to bring you the 11th installment of the Sunday Special. If you're a new listener to the podcast, the Sunday Special is completely separate from the regular Monday episodes. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous Sunday Special episodes, let me explain what this is all about. On the first Sunday of each month, I feature a special episode where I interview a Christian physician about their faith in God, their personal spiritual journey, and how their faith has influenced their career. So if you're looking for the regular episodes where we talk about strategies and resources to help you manage your business more successfully and master your personal finances, those episodes come out on Monday mornings. So you can join me again tomorrow for those. Now, before we launch into this episode, I'll say, as I always do, that I'm a Christian. My faith in Jesus is an incredibly important part of my life, but I know that not all the people listening to this podcast share that faith, and that's okay. Anyone of any faith is welcome here. Now, if this isn't something you're interested in, feel free to delete this episode and join us tomorrow for an awesome episode on how one physician's amazing journey to becoming debt-free despite overwhelming odds happened. No need to leave a hateful review or negative comment. Just delete the episode and join me tomorrow. Now, if you are staying to hear this episode, you are going to be so encouraged and empowered by this conversation. Normalizing the Christian faith within the practice of medicine is really something we should be doing more, and I hope that these discussions embolden you to become uh, more open with sharing your own faith. Let me encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so, so that way you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Also, stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about the free resources that I'm giving away to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Today's Bible verse is Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In times like our country is facing, it seems like we're constantly coming apart at the seams. It may seem impossible to understand at times how in the world such madness could ever be turned to good. But the Lord knows us and watches over us at all times. His ways are higher than our ways, and we don't need to worry about anything because nothing is greater than God's will. Whether we understand it or not, our calling is to trust and obey. Eventually, all will be made clear when Jesus comes once again to reclaim his throne and call his people to himself. What a comforting thought that is, especially on a day like Easter Sunday. I really hope that encourages you today. Before we get into the show, here's a quick message from our sponsor, MR Insurance, a small business that helps physicians with their disability insurance needs. Michael Relvis is a CFP professional and insurance agent committed to helping physicians nationwide with their term life and disability insurance needs. He provides an objective, transparent, and education-focused process that aims to help physicians make prudent decisions and avoid overcomplicating things. He exclusively offers own occupation disability insurance policies for residents, fellows, and attending physicians. We know he'd be happy to help you with whatever your needs are. And you can find Michael at drpodcastnetwork.com slash mrinsurance or contact him at 800-817-4522. My guest on the Sunday special today is Dr. Elena Shea. She's a full-time pediatrician and a full-time mom. A lot of you know exactly what that's like. And 
listen, me too. I'm a full-time physician and a full-time dad, so I totally understand what it's like to be a working parent. It's hard, right? I mean, you're, you're constantly getting pulled in a lot of different directions, and it's normal to feel guilty about how much time you're spending either at work or at home. It's easy to get trapped into feeling like you're failing in one area or the other. Dr. Shea knows all about that, and she's going to have a very candid conversation with us about being a working mom and what it looks like to strive for excellence in all areas of life. This conversation is raw, it's real, and is really going to encourage you. So here is my conversation with Dr. Elena Shea. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Sunday special on the Scope of Practice podcast. My guest this week is Dr. Elena Shea. She is a pediatrician from Virginia, and I'm really excited to introduce her to you. So I want to say thank you, Dr. Shea, for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun, I hope. Oh, yeah, absolutely. These are these are great. So this is our uh, we've, we've done eight or nine, uh, installments of the, the Sunday special so far. I've started to lose count. Um, and, and they're just, they're just so fun. I really love these. I mean, we spend so much time, uh, with the hustle and grind of just medicine and, you know, EMR and notes and charts and medication refills. And sometimes it's nice to just, you know, sit back and say, all right, you know what, let's just, let's just talk about real stuff. Let's just talk about real and, you know, one of the things I love about the Sunday special in particular is that I feel like it's an opportunity for us to share our Christian faith with the world and uh, the role that our faith has played um, in, uh, in our careers and in our lives. And, you know, this is one of those things that I think it's really important as Christians that we speak out about it. We speak boldly and we not be afraid because I feel like there's a lot of pressure online to avoid religious topics generally. And I think in particular, uh, to avoid Christianity, uh, I think specifically is, I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of, of angst surrounding that issue, but I, I think it's really great for us to speak boldly and to, uh, to have the opportunity to do that. So can you start by just telling us a little bit about your personal faith journey? How did you come to accept Jesus as your savior? Sure. So <laughs> it's funny, since you asked me to do this, I've actually been thinking a lot about it and I, I mean, I think my journey is pretty common for people who grew up in kind of a religious household. My parents um, are Catholic. My grandmother is very, very Catholic. She's part of some of the more conservative Catholic groups. You know, I went to Catholic school, did all the all the sacraments. So for me, like being um, a Catholic and being Christian and being a follower of Christ is just part of kind of who I've always been. And I was actually talking about it with my husband about it, you know, and I was like, I can't really pinpoint a specific like moment when I was like, Oh, okay, this is, you know, what I believe. It's just kind of always there in the background, you know, influencing what I do and what I don't do and choices I make and places I go and all that stuff. And um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, it's just, part of it and uh, come to Jesus. Oh my gosh. Like I saw the light, you know, and fell off the horse and converted. And it's just part of who I am. Well, I'll tell you, that's very similar to my story, I think. So I accepted Christ when I was very young, I was six years old. And for me, I, I have some vague memories of the, uh, the week of, when I went and met with the pastor and and started talking to him about it and professed my faith. 
And same kind of thing for me, though. I didn't have a a specific conversion story. I was lost in the wilderness. I was, you know, I was doing mm-hmm. drugs, but you know, God pulled me back, and right. I, I didn't have any any specific experience about that. I remember for me, that led to a real crisis of faith when I was in high school. I, it was you know, I recognize it now as a lie from the devil, but you know, at the time, I thought, well, if I if I had really accepted Jesus, wouldn't I remember the event better? I wonder if maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe it's not real. And then I just went into this mental spiral, mm-hmm. just terrible. And I, I think uh, a lot of folks who start out going, uh, you, you know, getting serious as a, as a Christian from a very early age, sometimes we, I think we are prone to those kinds of things. You ever experienced anything like that? Um, well, it's interesting. So I don't know how much you know about Catholicism, but you know, there is a, a sacrament that you do, sort of in your preteens or teens where you're supposed to reaffirm your faith. Um, and this is and confirmation it, that you're talking about. Yeah. Right? It's confirmation. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, you know, I never, I, I did that with no problem, but I definitely have both moments I think in my life where I can pinpoint um, certainty. Like I can pinpoint moments when I was like, okay, you know, I felt the grace of God and I felt you know, his love and, and all that. And then there were definitely moments in my life, you know, mostly in, in college, I think, um, when things were more difficult and I think I struggled, it's, you know, they always say it's easy to have faith when things are going well. And then when things go poorly and you, you know, turn to, to God and you pray for, for whatever it is. And then you don't, it doesn't happen or happens in a different way, then I think it's very hard um, to, to kind of uh, balance both of those things. And so I definitely have those moments, you know, doubt and, and questioning and um, struggle. But I think, you know, that, that you come out of the other end, hopefully stronger, you know, in your, in what you're believing. I love hearing you say that. I think it's really, I think it's really refreshing to hear that that perspective from folks. And I think there's a misnomer out there from a lot of folks on uh, the, in a non-religious background is the thought that Christians are supposed to have it all together. We know what's good. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, you know, perfect people. We follow a perfect right. God and we clearly know that to not be the case. So, so what do you do in those situations when you find your, your faith kind of starting to, to teeter a little bit, or you start to have some of those creeping doubts? What do you do? Um, you know, I, I kind of give in to them. Not, that's probably not said correctly. Like I, I think about why, what it is about the situation or what was said or the, you know, whatever it is that is making me, you know, doubt. And I kind of sort of lean into it and kind of try to see if it really is you know, a question of faith, or is it more just superficial, you know, noise that's trying to distract you from, from the truth. Right. And that's, and that's the thing that like, I, you know, any, any religious person, the basis of it, it's, it's faith and it's belief. Like you believe this is true and you have to kind of sometimes believe it even in the face of, you know, evidence that, that it may not be true because that's, that's what faith is. Right. I think it's just believing and, and working on it and, you know, 
understanding that you're going to slide back and you just pick yourself up and keep going. Well, I think working on it is really the key phrase there. I think you really hit it. And it, you know, it says in the Bible, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is not something that we are, we're going to come to naturally. We have to be called. We have to, we have to accept, and then we have to keep studying and keep learning. And I, I think, I think it's valuable as a, you know, you can probably appreciate this as a pediatrician. I think you, I think it's important for us to come to uh, the throne in a, a childlike manner, but that doesn't mean we stay as children. So we start as we start believing, even though we don't really understand maybe everything. Mm -hmm. And then we start to learn more and we start to understand more. We study and we read and we, we develop a more perfect understanding of our, of our faith over, over time. Do you yeah. find that that's, that's how you practice or uh, is that how, I, is that how you feel? Yeah, evolved? no, I think so. I think so. I think that, um, you know, within the Catholic church, there's a lot of dogma that, um, as a child is sort of easier to swallow, you know, and as an adult, you kind of look at some things and you're like, mm, I, don't, I don't know, like, is that really, you know, does that really make sense? And I think, you know, if you, if you blindly accept what you're told, and this goes for everything, you know, if you're blindly, if you blindly accept what you're told by your, you know, your religious, you know, leaders or your political leaders or your community leaders or your, you know, even your doctor, like if you just blindly accept what people tell you, then like, that's just not, it's, it's not good. And I think it's not safe. And I think it's, you know, can, can be a very slippery slope because if you blindly believe and then things don't go right, then you are going to fall off the path because there's no foundation there. Yeah, I think that's right. I really do. Well, I want to I want to introduce the audience a little bit more to you, and I want to talk about you uh, being a pediatrician because I think you're the first pediatrician we've had on the show, I believe. Yay. And and so uh, and so my my wife is a pediatrician, so I I have great respect for pediatricians. Heaven knows I could not be a pediatrician, so I am the really bad with children guy from uh, from your rotation in uh, third year. <laughs> Uh, so I'm great with my kids and, uh, I do not have the patience to do that. So, uh, what I got to ask you, what got you interested in pediatrics? Did you feel like that was a calling or was just something that you fell into or how did that go? No, I, I always, so I always knew I wanted to work with children in some capacity, even before, you know, I settled on medicine. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher, be a social worker, be, you know, child advocacy law, something that could help children in general. And when I went to med school, like I went in knowing that I was going to be a pediatrician and I went into my third year with a semi open mind saying, well, maybe we'll see, like, you know, is there anything else that I like as, as much as, you know, the idea of working with children and, you know, I, I did OB and I enjoyed it, but I liked the OB part of it, the obstetrics part of it more than the gynecology I liked seeing the babies be born, <laughs> you know, um, like I am not made to be a surgeon or do procedures. They just make me very anxious. Um, and I don't really like adults in general. So I'm kind of like <laughs> you, but the opposite where like, I, I like kids and I enjoy, I enjoy them and I like my friends and I like my family, but like, I could not be 
an internist. I just, I just couldn't do it. I just, there's too many things about working with adult patients that I think would just make me very unhappy. So, so beads. <laughs> well, now as a pediatrician, you have, you work with kids, but you also have to treat the families to a certain extent, right? So how, how is that for you uh, working with uh, parents? What are some of the challenges that you face as a pediatrician? I mean, it definitely, it's definitely a challenge. I think it's a challenge I enjoy. Like I enjoy educating families and educating parents so that they can then provide the best care for their children. Because really the parents are the ones who've got to take what you tell them and apply it to the kids. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, there's, there's parents who are, who come in with an agenda and there's parents who come in, you know, with preconceived ideas and, you know, my, my patients are, um, mostly non-English speaking. Um, so they come in with a certain educational level and health literacy that also makes it very challenging when you have children, you know, who are, you know, maybe overweight or have asthma or have, you know, whatnot that they just don't understand, you know, and, or, or can't afford the medication. You know, there's, there's multiple things that go in to it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there've definitely been whatever, whatever, you know, crazy thing you read on the internet about, you know, whatever we, I've probably seen it. Like, you know, people who are very opposed to, um, you know, vaccines with multiple reasons and, you know, not really willing to discuss it or people, you know, who are giving their kids, uh, you know, giving their babies, what we had, a, uh, you know, not, they don't want to do formula and they're not nursing. So they're like making their own weird milk at home. That's just not safe. You know, all, all these things, the internet, the internet's crazy. I think the internet has provided a lot of, you know, half truths. And so people would rather trust, you know, WebMD and their, their mom group than, than someone who studied this, you know, and, and that's fair. I mean, you, you, I, I totally support, a parent's right to educate themselves. You know, I just wish it was always on, you know, sources that were, that were true. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It makes me wonder, you know, the way that we uh, experience that, you know, we're coming in as the experts and we have people, I get people like reading stuff on WebMD about this, the latest nutrition supplement or the latest vitamin, this and that, which is all complete voodoo nonsense, of course. And, you know, I sit there as the expert going, okay, I know that this is ridiculous and I just can't convince you otherwise. And sometimes I, I wonder if that's the way that, you know, God sees a lot of us going, okay, you know, I'm the expert here. I've given you all the information that you need. You have a, you have a really long book that explains what you need to do and you're just not doing it. <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm sure. I think <laughs> that's actually really funny. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Sometimes I sit and I'm like, God must sit, you know, wherever he is and just say, oh, these people, like, why can't they just follow the rules? Just follow the instructions. It's all right there. Just, just do it, <laughs> do it and be happy, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, how has your faith interwoven itself into your practice over time? Have you found that there's a nat there's some natural outlets for that? Or did you find that maybe there was, you know, some more hostility towards your religious beliefs in your life? What's been your experience? I mean, I, 
so now um i think i ended up where i am because of my faith like i feel like i was called to service which is what made me you know go into medicine um and now i work at a clinic that you know has a more underserved population um and i'm able to use the fact that i am you know latina and fluent in spanish to help this population that may not have other people who can you know support them in the way i can in their native language you know um and and that sort of thing so i think that has definitely been an uh something that's influenced because i always knew that i wanted to do something you know of service i feel like that is just kind of the way you know my faith has played into my life um in terms of like hostility i mean some i think like you know i went to i went to medical school and i went to college up in the northeast which tends to be you know a little bit um I guess liberal for a lack of a better word, you know, a little bit more progressive, let's say. Um, and I think to a lot of people, there was a little bit of um, pushback from someone who, you know, I obviously, like I was very openly Catholic. I went to mass, like I, you know, people ask me things. I'm very willing to discuss my position on whatever topic. Um, and I think to some people thought that it was kind of like, you know, like, oh, you know, poor silly girl. Like she doesn't really know the truth. Like she's spouting these, this propaganda, let's say. Um, and I always thought it was very interesting because I, I grew up in Florida and then in Central America uh, surrounded by, you know, a Catholic majority of people who, who were very, you know, faithful. And so it was just, it was very jarring to me. So I was like, I was like, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here to have a conversation. Right. Um, but I think that was most, most, you know, but it was, it was few and far between, like it was few and far between. Most people were kind of like, so having the majority or a, a plurality Spanish speaking population and of uh, Hispanic eth uh, you know, origin, cultural background, do you find that there are some, some barriers to coaching your patients through necessary treatments that, their religious beliefs get in the way or, or become uh, challenging for you? Yeah, I think the um, biggest, so, I mean, our, my population is more limited because obviously I'm, I do, you know, have teenagers in my practice that I deal with, but a lot of the stuff that you're recommending to um, kids isn't very controversial, but we do, you know, I definitely have patients um, who, need you know oral contraceptives for painful periods irregular periods very heavy periods i had a patient who ended up multiple times in the hospital needing transfusions because her periods were so heavy that she just would bleed herself you know to a hemoglobin of like four um but her parents didn't want to put her on birth control because it went against you know they in their minds birth control meant that they were allowing her to you know, becomes sexually active and, you know, it causes, you know, what, whatever, whatever their, their particular beliefs were. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, we eventually had to like have a big meeting with the OB, the, the OBGYN and, and make sure that they really understood that it was, we weren't recommending it so that she could go out and, you know, 
get busy. It was because it was for her health, but it is, it's a very, um, I think that's the biggest whenever I'm like, Oh, have you considered, you know, this for your child? And they're like, Oh no, like we can't do that. Do you find that as a, as a practicing Catholic, do you find that it's easier to connect to some of your patients on that level? If you've got uh, a patients that are either serious Catholics or serious Christians more broadly, uh, do you find that there's a deeper connection there that you're able to do things differently or able to work with them in a, in a, in a, on a more intimate level maybe, or in a, in a, you know, a deeper personal relationship? You know, that's, that's interesting. Um, I've always felt that being Christian is a huge part of being Latino, um, especially if you are a, a Latina or Latino whose parents have come, you know, you're an immigrant or your parents were immigrants. So you're very close to the culture in Latin America. So it's, it's hard to tease out whether I'm able to make relationships with my patients because we share the same faith. And so, you know, they, like they, you know, I can tell them Merry Christmas and they, you know, we, we talk about the details of our, you know, holidays or whatever. Um, or is it also just because I, my countries are from, my parents are from where they are from. I speak Spanish with the same accent that they have. Right. Like, you know, I look like some of, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to tease out. I, and I'll be honest, I generally try and not to get overly religious with my patients because I don't want to like fight. Like I'm like, I don't want to fight with anybody <laughs> about their religion. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very easy to, to get dragged down a um, uh, long conversation that you're not, that you don't really want to go into. I, I certainly understand that, but it's, it's gotta be also nice that when you, when you do have the opportunity to connect for, with folks and it, and it's, it's just another shared, another shared point that you can uh, connect with them on. That's I'm sure that's gotta be gratifying too. It is. It's, it's really nice. I mean, I, it's really, it's amazing to me. And I never thought I'd be, you know, in this position where in a lot of ways I'm almost like a role model to some of these children. Cause they see me and they're like, Oh look, here's this woman. And her parents came over from our country and she speaks like we do. And, practices, you know, religion, like, you know, like all these things. And, you know, I hope that they can look at me and say, well, I can also do that. You know, I can also be a doctor, be a lawyer, be, be whatever, whatever I want to be, you know, and none of these other things are, can, will stand in my way. So speaking of being an inspiration to children, I, I know that, um, being a, a full-time physician and a, and a, being a committed mother and committed spouse is a, a lot to balance. And so um, I, I want to ask you, since this is, uh, since February 3rd is National Women's Physicians Day and we're celebrating women in medicine all month on the podcast, I want to ask you about that. I mean, how do you balance being a, being a full-time physician and being a, a dedicated and, and committed mother? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of, a lot of dads, a lot of moms, who are physicians listening going, yeah, how do you do that? Yeah. Please explain it to me because I'm struggling and I would love to know the secret. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if anyone knows the secret, I'd love to know it too, because Lord <laughs> knows I don't, I, I, I struggle just like everyone. I mean, it's, it is hard. I think it's very hard if you are a parent, you know, getting, working outside the home. Um, and then also, especially if both parents, so like both my husband and I work outside the home. 
um, which does make it very challenging because then we both, you know, we both get home when you have to do the housework and cook for the kids and, and my children are small. So they require a lot of, a lot of help. Um, and so I think really, and it's funny because COVID has kind of made me realize this, that you really have to be clear on what you prioritize and then make sure that you don't lose sight of that. So, you know, I think a lot of us who work, especially in medicine, I mean, being a, a resident and being in med school is you sacrifice a lot. You miss a lot of things and it just kind of becomes normal to say, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I have to work. Oh, I can't, can't go to your wedding. I'm on call. I can't, you know, go here. Cause, cause I got to go to the office. Um, and I think it can translate over into family life because, you know, if, if we're always prioritizing working, then what misses out is everything else. And I think with COVID for me personally, they cut my hours and all of a sudden I was home way more. And I was kind of like, I really, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be able to be present with my family without any of that other stuff. Right. Does that make sense? And so I think every, every family and every parent needs to just sort of be like, well, what do I, you know, if I prioritize my family, then I should not let other things get in that way. Right. And if you, you know, there's people who are different, like, well, I prioritize my work. I want to get ahead and I want to be successful and I want to be able to provide for my family. And I want to get to a point where I can then, you know, delegate and, and spend time with family. But I think making sure your priorities are, are really clear, I think is very important because there's only 24 hours in a day, you know, you're working nine of them, you're sleeping eight of them or five of them, you know, your kids are, you know, and so you have to just kind of be like, well, what do I, ah, something, something, something. And I think that's the other thing to understand that like something's going to give, it doesn't matter if, I mean, our sink is full of dishes all the time. Like all the time we run the dishwasher and then no one gets it unloaded and then it just, <laughs> it just piles up and then we unload the dishwasher and then we put more dishes in and run it again. And it used to drive me crazy. And then eventually I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't worry about it. Like it doesn't matter. My kids are happy. You know, they're fed. They're they're They have happy home lives. We have happy work lives. Like that's, that's what matters. Not, you know, baskets of laundry. But it's hard because, like, I think there's a lot of pressure, you know, um, for everyone to be perfect. You know, everything needs to be perfect. And that's not that's not life. Well, and especially, I think, in the digital age, when everybody puts their uh, highlight reels yeah. on on Facebook and Instagram and everything yeah. is Pinterest, Pinterest perfect. And oh you're trying to you're trying to compete with everything. And, and people are, <laughs> you know, put, they'll post something about just get just you know made this awesome meal for my kids and here's a picture of it and now we're doing stories in bedtime love y'all see you later and then you just sit there thinking okay i'm a horrible dad i'm a horrible mom because i forgot about stories tonight or we ran out of time and yeah, you know, no, how, totally. how, how do you how do you deal that how do you deal with that you know i don't know if i don't know if it's right to call it mommy guilt but how do you deal with that 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 guilt of just feeling like you're not doing enough how do you deal with that uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, it's funny. So we, um, I had, the, there was a long conversation about this. So I'm on a non-medical mom group on Facebook, um, that I joined 
when I was right after I had my first, my son, he's four. Um, just because I, I was like, I need to, I need to know that some of this stuff is normal. And it's really funny because as a pediatrician, you would think that like, you know, that this stuff is normal, but having a baby is very different than being a pediatrician. And I'm sure your wife will tell you this, where that you like have a baby and you're like, I don't know half these things that like, why are they so noisy at night? Like all this weird stuff. Um, but there was actually a conversation on there because a lot of the women on the group are stay-at-home moms and a lot of the women in the group are working moms. And there's always this, you know, <clears throat> feeling of other people are doing it better, right? So I feel like as a working mom, every time I read, you know, all these posts about afternoons at the park and all the extracurriculars and my kid does soccer, my kid does swimming and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like and then I'm like, oh my God, my kid doesn't do anything. Like my kid goes to daycare and that's his socialization. And then we come home and on the weekends, I don't want to haul him around to like do a million activities because it's we have two days together and I want to spend those times like being a family. And I know eventually like everyone, you know, they'll all get into stuff. And so it made me feel like, and I was eventually I had to like ask, the group, I was like, do other working moms feel this way that like you're failing your child because you are working outside the home and you don't have time to, to do all these amazing things. And then it was interesting because in the working, the stay at home moms were a lot of like, well, we wish we could work outside. Like we wish that we could give that example to our children. And we wish, you know, that, that we had that option or, you know, they're just like, we just do this because otherwise we'd go insane if we would just stay at home with them <laughs> all the time. Um, so it's interesting. I think, I think mom guilt, especially in the, in the social media age is just normal. Like you are going to feel that you are an inadequate parent. And I don't know if like my parents felt that way, like back, you know, in the eighties, you know, when they were raising children, like, did they feel like they were failing? I think you just have to kind of just say, I'm look at what's important, right? Your kids are healthy. Your kids are happy, right? They're, they're loved. They have a roof over their head and clothes on their backs. And, you know, it sounds like it's a very minimum thing to, to, to like the bar is very low, but like all that stuff is just like, you know, extra. It's just, it's just noise. It's hard. It stinks. <laughs> Okay, so this is the point where you just sort of drop the microphone and walk out because that was that was awesome. That's uh, that's so that's so real. It's so good. I love it. I love it. It's it's so important too because I think that we all struggle with that. With I mean, I, as a I mean as a as a dad, I mean I'm a working dad, right? I mean a full time physician and you know very devoted to my kids and I do a lot of work around the house and I love it and I enjoy it, but man, there are some times when I come home and I'm just exhausted and my wife's been exhausted from working with the kids too. And, you know, we just, we just got to kind of grind it out. I love that you've got a community of, of moms that can really support you and help you out with that. Do you feel like that's really important to have that community of either, either just moms or even maybe of Christian moms to, 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 to just, you know, support you and encourage you and give you ideas. Do you feel like that's really important? Yes. I think, you know, it's cliche to say it takes a village, but I think it really, really does take a village. And if you are lucky enough to live near extended family or near, you know, old friends, you know, like a lot of people will go home 
will go back to where they grew up and they're just surrounded by people they've known all their lives and they have these great supportive um, communities, but some of us don't. So like we live, you know, my family lives in Florida. My husband's family lives in Colorado. We have no family anywhere near us. Um, it was, you know, our group of friends, both, you know, for me, it was our, our live group of friends, but also, also these women I met, you know, through the couple of groups I'm in, um, who can just sort of talk you off that ledge, you know, at four in the morning when you're like, is this, what is going on? Like, why is my baby doing X, Y, Z? They can be like, oh, don't worry. Like my baby did it too. And I think that's what being, you know, a, especially a new parent, I think is very isolating. Like there's a lot of, you know, late nights and, and things that they didn't, they didn't tell you about and things that, you know, go against your expectations of what it's going to be like. And it's nice to have a community that shares your, your view of parenting or your faith or, you know, both or, or whatnot to sort of prop you up when you're, when you're falling, because I think as new parents in particular, we, we fall a lot. Like we doubt and we, we struggle. And I think it's nice to know that you're not alone. That's really what it comes down to, you know. So taking it out of the digital world, do you feel like it's really important to have, uh, I say, a, a real person community or like a church community or a uh, neighborhood community to, to really help you and support you as well? I do. I do. I think that, um, you know, in a perfect world, you would have a group, you know, and it doesn't have to be like a ton of people, just a handful of people that you um, can, can, you know, bond with and hang out with and support each other. And you kind of know the ins and outs of each other's lives, because I think that as people, we're social, we're social beings. And I think it's very hard to go at it alone. Right. Um, I think that's one of the things with COVID in particular that we've seen a lot is sort of this isolation and how hard it's been for everybody. Right. Not just, you know, parents, but, you know, grandparents and kids and this idea that like, you know, we, you have communities and all of a sudden you can't, you can't go to them, right? You can't, you can't go to mass, you can't go to play dates, you can't go to the library, you know, wherever, wherever it is that you, that you congregate, like you, everything's closed. And, you know, what do you do then? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. A lot of times we don't realize what we had until we suddenly lose it, and then you think, "Oh man, I can't hang out with anybody. I can't do anything." Yeah, this is when actually it is. Um, one thing I was happy for was that we weren't doing a ton of things with my kids because, like, I feel like the people I know who had their children in multiple activities and all of a sudden didn't have that, they suffered way more than my kids who go to school, which luckily was open because they stayed open for essential workers and then came home and we just hung out at home on the weekends. Like our lives didn't change <laughs> that much in that sense. And, you know, that was a blessing. Um, but, but yeah, I know it's hard. Well, as yeah. we're getting uh, closer to wrapping up here, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I'd like to ask everybody. Uh, the first being, do you have a favorite Bible verse or a passage that has influenced you in a major way? Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I am not the, I'm not the most consistent Bible reader. I, I tend to turn to scripture when I'm having struggles and I feel like it tends to, you know, help me get through those darker times, but I'm not 
you know, and I, I need to work on that. And I always, every year, like it's my resolution and it never happens um, to be more consistent because I think that there's definitely stuff that will resonate even in good times. Right. Um, I think right now I've been, I've been pondering a lot. Um, Ecclesiastes you know, for every, for every time there is a season for every, you know, which one I'm talking about? <laughs> a time to be born and a time to die. Yes, and, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think, I think for me, like I, I've, you know, I rediscovered it like a couple months ago and I've been like thinking about it a lot. And I think that like, especially again, with everything that's going on, I think the idea that everything, everything passes, everything has a time, you know, there is, there is a, a, a um, reason behind the madness, I think is very soothing and calming for me. And so I kind of just like repeated in my head you know, this, this too will pass. There is a, this, there's a time, this is just the season for craziness and then it will pass and then things will get, you know, better, hopefully. I love it. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to ask if, if, uh, if you could talk to the medical student, the resident, the fellow, someone who's an early career physician right now, that uh, someone is a, maybe a more experienced uh, clinician who's a, a serious Christian, what advice would you give to that person as they're trying to work out how they integrate their faith uh, into their practice and into their life as a medical professional? What would you tell them? I mean, I think for for everyone, but for physicians, it is so important to to keep at it and understand that there will be you know, situations that maybe make you doubt or situations that maybe, you know, put you in a, in a place where you either have to like follow your faith and be maybe ridiculed or, or not, you know, keep quiet and then, you know, go under the radar. And those are the situations where you have to kind of really sort of buckle down and say like, who, who am I? Am I, you know, am I someone who's going to stand up or am I someone who's going to stand back. Right. And it's, it's hard. And I think, again, it depends on what specialty you go into, um, whether how much of that is going to come up, you know? Um, but I think, I think it's, it's something you have to sort of, you know, and it's a, it's a moving, it's, it's a moving target, right? You, it's constant reevaluation. The other thing I, I do say, you have to sort of figure out how to prioritize time for, you know, church services for, you know, reading, praying, all that stuff, because it is very, very hard when you are coming off a 36 hour shift to say, okay, I'm going to shower and go to mass. Right. I'm going to, and so like, you have to sort of make sure that you, again, prioritize that if that is what is important to you. Right. To, to make sure that, you know, oh, well, if I, I, I miss all the masses because I'm in the hospital for 24 hours, well, is there a service I can go to in the hospitals? So when I was a resident, I I would go to like the chaplain. They'd have, you know, Sunday mass at like four in the afternoon. And so if I was studying or on, you know, I would just go, it was 30 minutes. And at least I was able to, you know, as much as I could do that. You know, sometimes you couldn't, there's codes going on and you're like, well, I can't go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think it's important to just, and then be kind to yourself. Like we all, we all slip, right? We all mess up. Just it's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. I love um, it. I love it. This is real real life as a physician mom. I love this. This is great. Uh, well, if people want to connect to you, what's the best way they can do that? 
Um, so I am on Instagram and on Facebook at Peds Mom Life. Um, and it's, you know, I focus a lot on like parenting advice and breastfeeding and literacy because I'm a big book nerd. Um, so definitely if you want to connect with me, you can find me there. Um, I do have a blog that will be, you know, live hopefully by the end of the month. So this is in February. So sometime in February, you can check it out. Same name, www.pedsmomlife.com. Awesome. Definitely everyone, everyone needs to go check that out. It's going to be great stuff. Uh, well, this was uh, Dr. Elena Shea. Um, so make sure you go check her out. Uh, Peds Mom Life, that's P-E-D-S, pedsmomlife.com uh, is the blog and uh, find her online as well. And we'll make sure to have links to all that stuff in the show notes as usual. Well, Dr. Shea, thank you so much for joining us on the Sunday special. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was great. My conversation with Dr. Shea reminded me that God doesn't call us because we're perfect. He uses the broken, the shamed, and the inadequate ones to reveal his glory because we succeed only through his power. We know that we aren't sufficient to do everything on our own, but God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. I hope you'll take that with you this week. God's looking for ways to let his glory shine through us. So instead of thinking that we can do everything ourselves, or instead of trying to do everything ourselves, we just need to call on him. Instead of running towards those goals, we need to stop and turn to the one through whom we can do all things. You are enough for him. And I hope that encourages you to realize that you are enough for your family and your job as well. Well, to further encourage you this week, I have a free resource for you. It's a devotional series called The Body of Christ. You can download it by clicking the link in the podcast description on your phone or on your computer. This is a devotional series that uh, has a medical theme, and you're going to really like it. I really think you'll enjoy this a lot. Uh, the scriptures, you know, they speak of the church as the body of Christ. And we see analogies throughout of a person being a hand, maybe meaning they're a healer, or someone else is a mouth, and they speak the good news of Jesus to others. Well, that's the idea behind this devotional series. All the devotionals have a medical theme, and I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. It's a 14-day series, and I want to give it to you for free. Again, just click the link in the podcast description or download it from the show notes at www.thescopeofpractice.com slash special 11 so that's www.thescopeofpractice.com slash sundayspecial11, or click the link in the podcast description. Hey, also, if you want to contribute to the series and write some of the devotionals, please let me know. We give full credit to authors, and we'll link to your website or your blog or your personal business. You know, We'd love to give you credit and let people know uh, the great stuff that you're doing. So if you want to contribute, you can uh, email me using the link in the podcast description or again at thescopeofpractice.com slash sundayspecial11. Hey, before we end, don't forget to reach out to MR Insurance Consultants, where their goal is to assist physicians in obtaining the most comprehensive coverage available to fit their unique situation. Reach out for both excellent and quality service at drpodcastnetwork.com slash mrinsurance. Thank you so much for joining me on the Scope of Practice podcast today for the Sunday special. And just remember, go to thescopeofpractice.com slash sundayspecial11. Okay, that's www.thescopeofpractice.com slash sundayspecial11 to download the free devotional series, The Body of Christ, or click the links in the podcast description on your phone. 
I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow for the continued weekly series of the Scope of Practice podcast and for the next Sunday special on the first Sunday in May. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could possibly imagine, be all glory and honor and praise forever and ever. Amen. Happy Easter. He is risen indeed. Thanks so much for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Scope of Practice podcast at www.thescopeofpractice.com.